What's going on, Nick? Hey, Gabe. Welcome back, man. Dude, I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to are be you? here. I am. I am. I am. I am. There it is. Are you? Now are I, you? Now I hear it in your voice. I'm okay. so excited. That that sounded a little fake. I think I think you're you're. Fake. I am so excited. <laughs> Moving on. Today we like a little kid TV show. Do you know where we're going? <laughs> like do you know who our next guest is? Well, actually, I do, Nick, and his name is Hanson Wong. He's uh he works for the Pacers, and he is an international man. He's originally from Hong Kong. He came to America. He's now working for the Pacers, but he's also in charge of kind of the Pacers relationship with uh, the countries of, or the continents rather of Africa, South America, North America, uh, Asia. Man, you name it, he's he's in charge of it. It's crazy. That's pretty much the whole world. I mean, pretty much all the important parts, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, he also, I mean, he's got a very fancy job title. He His job title is the G League Manager and International Scout for the Pacers. Yeah, and that, that was pretty cool, him describing that. That definitely was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it's a mouthful, but he breaks <laughs> it down very well. Yeah, yeah he, there's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot that uh, he explained what he does overseas in the film room with G League players, with with every players with the NBA Academy across uh, across a lot of different continents and countries, um, but yeah, he also talks about how the COVID nineteen crisis has impacted the way he has done his job, and it's it's come it's brought him to a shocking revelation about his position and how maybe he doesn't need to go to different countries, although he'd like to. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> he also talks about uh, he's got a fun relationship with a previous guest we had, Chad Forcier. They both That's started around the same time, so. He has uh, something very, very funny to say about Chad, or Coach Chad, that uh, that caught me off guard for sure. I laughed for guard. <laughs> yes, yes. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode. And Nick, play that saxophone. You got it. Ever heard of a cardboard boxy? It's, it's kind of like an armchair quarterback. It's a word we made up, and we think it fits our views of basketball pretty well. Our made-up phrase means that we think and act like a manager of a team, or even the commissioner some days. But we don't exactly have the bank account to follow up on our team-owning aspirations. We've got ideas and opinions about the league that change when we come up with new ones, and we may have some funny jokes. The important thing is we love basketball. But we also realize there are plenty of important people who make what you see on the court run smoothly. There are a lot of people who work behind the scenes to make the league the best it can be. And we like to showcase them because they don't always get the credit they deserve. If you're looking for great interviews and bad jokes, you've come to the right place. So come watch with us from our cardboard box seats. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cardboard Box Seats. Gabe's here. Nick's here. And today we have a very special guest by the name of Hanson Wong. Hanson, how's it going? Doing well. How about you guys? Doing pretty good. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Great. So go ahead and give us the scenic route of your basketball career thus far and kind of tell us what what got you to where you are today with the Pacers. Sure. Um, I think I have a little different, little bit different Rouse than most of your guests because I, I did some of my homework. I listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast before I actually come on here today. So Uh-oh. like I said, I try to be prepared. Um, <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just, that's I like to do that. Just try to get more info, more back. I just try to 
get to know you guys a little better before I actually talk to you guys. Um, I am not from here. I'm from Hong Kong, China. So I came here in 95 as an exchange student. When I was still in high school, I think I was about 16 years ago, 16 years old. So uh, been here ever since. Uh, I went to my last year of high school in Crookston, Minnesota, which is a small town in northwestern Minnesota. So I went to high school. Then I went to college in Frederick Dickinson University for a year. Then I transferred to University of Minnesota. I graduated from undergrad and grad school in, from Minnesota. Uh, so in my undergrad, really, I did not have, I did not do anything basketball related. I was in business school. Uh, my goal was to try to find a job after I graduate. And I graduated in 2001. And that was the time that the economy was not at the greatest. So I had a hard time finding a job. In addition to that, because I was not a citizen or I didn't have, or a permanent resident, so it was a very difficult time to find a job because companies tried to hire uh, locals first. So I was at a time that I didn't really know what to do, but I had always liked basketball. So I thought, you know what, maybe I could go to grad, uh, grad school Start do something like study something sports related. So I went back to school to study to study get a master's degree in kinesiology uh, with an emphasis in sports management. So that's what I did. And at the same time, I got uh, really lucky that uh, at the time I try to how to how, how to say this. At the time I tried to figure out what I really want to do. Like I I knew I liked basketball, but I didn't know how to go about it. So I got really lucky or very fortunate that uh, when I was in business school, one of my classmates, he was a golfer for Minnesota, and he actually did a part-time job or either bought a part-time job or internship with the IT department uh, at the athletic department. So he introduced me to the director there. So I got a part-time job with the, with the department. So I started working there. So I kind of in the athletic department. Uh, so when I did that job, I basically do IT support for all the teams there. So run around, go to like go to fix other, all these different coaches' problems, computer related. And one time, one day, uh, the assistant track coach for the men's track team called me up, and I helped him out fix some stuff. And then the f- funny thing is like that coach and I were actually in the same class. In grad school together, like, <laughs> I, we didn't like I didn't know that at the time, but then like we talked about say, oh we're in the same class, so <laughs> like so we like we became pretty good friends. And then one day he asked me, hey, uh, he said, Anson, uh, is there anything I can do for you? Because you've been helping us out, so I helped him with his computer problem, and then I actually helped him tutor one of his athletes. So uh, so I just jokingly say, you know what, like you can help me get a job with the basketball team, that'd be great. <laughs> so I just threw it out like that. Like didn't even expect to have anything to do with anything. And he turned around and talked to the, the head coach for the track team. And then he went to talk to the head uh, head basketball uh, basketball coach at the time, Dan Munson. Like long story short, I I got a meeting with the coaching staff. Then uh, Coach Munson said, Well, we really don't have anything. I can offer you a volunteer job as a video coordinator. 
And at the time, I didn't even know <laughs> what that was. I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> so I became a video coordinator, but I like quote unquote video coordinator. I was more like, I was more of a student manager. So I did everything the student manager did. We did like laundry, we set up practice, you know, full towels, you know, help out in practice. But mainly like when it comes to film the practice, I'm the one to film in it. When it came to filming the game, I was the one who filmed it. But at the time, but one like one really cool thing was that uh, JB because staff was the double at the time. He played uh, for Minnesota. So so he actually graduated. Then he played in G League for a while, in the D League at the time. Um, then he came back as a double. He only worked there for a year. Then he became the color analyst for the Timberwolves for the radio. But like, uh, since I was only in grad school for two years, so I know that the second year in grad school, I have to do something to try to find a job. So I kept bugging JB, say, hey, JB, like, can you help me out? Like, you are, uh, I mean, I know, like, because uh, his dad was Bernie because that, so he knows that he knows a lot of people, JB. So I keep bugging him, like, every day. I would wake up in the morning and call him, hey, JB, how you doing? <laughs> you know anything? So, so I bugged him enough that one time he called me out of the blue and said, hey, Hanson, I'm coming to the, uh, the Gophers game tomorrow. Bring your resume with you. Uh, I think I can uh, cut your interview with the Pacers. So oh, cool. So I, gave him, uh, so, I, so, so, so I gave him a resume. But like then I it didn't really I I I I didn't really hear anything back for a while until like the one time I got an email from the video coordinator for the Pacers at the time, Derek Pierce. Now he's the uh, VP for the uh, player personnel for the Hawks. Uh, he said uh, we got this internship and he told me this this and that. But it was unpaid. So at the time, to me, like, at the time, I was still naive. I didn't know much about this industry. So uh, to me, in my mind, I was thinking, well, like, I'm, I'm about to graduate. I really need a paying job. If I'm paid internship, just wouldn't do it. So I, I mean, I kind of like, I didn't really talk to Derek for a while. So that's that summer, I actually went back home in Hong Kong to work on my research paper so I can graduate and then you know like at the time I just I would go up to the NCAA job posting site and see what job is up there then it's internship the patient's internship the video room internship come up again and said there's a monthly stipend so immediately <laughs> I emailed Derek and said, hey so is this internship is a pay internship and I said yeah so you know what like uh, I mean I said uh, they're not asking him if this is still available I would like to apply for it sure so uh, then maybe a few days later, maybe a week later, like one of the assistant coach, uh, this coach still with uh, Dan Burke, he emailed me, hey, I would like, would like to bring you in for an interview. And I was like, at the time, I wasn't even back in the country. I was still in Hong Kong saying, well, like, I'm not in the country yet, but, like, when I, but I would still love to come for an interview. So when I came back, I went to the interview. So everything just worked out fine uh and then i after the interview i got the job so that's pretty much how i got into that like got to where i am right now just like i've been with the paces for about 16 years because i've been with them since 2004 i mean i listened to your podcast with chad force here because I, I was with him at the time so oh really yeah it, uh, you guys made a big mistake by interviewing him <laughs> <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> Well, we will be sure to pass that along. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. I know that's that's a small world though. That's pretty crazy yeah. that we uh, that y'all were on the Pacers together. Yeah, because that was my first year. That was his second year with the Pacers, I believe. So, oh, wow. were you there with the whole malice at the palace? I wasn't there. I was in the video room. Uh, okay. That was the time only the head video coordinator travel. So there was assistant video coordinator and I. We so I was an intern. We said like we would do our video work. So we would break down the game live at home. So when the game is over, I would take all this break down to the airport and I. I did like back then we still got VHS tapes, so I put all the different tapes on uh, all the, all the coaches call. So like just like Chad said, like we absolutely killing the killing the that, that that night. And then I mean I know he gave you guys all the story about like what happened. Like I mean just like Chad, you got your little hand on Ron Artest, you can <laughs> stop him, you know? Like I mean it's all his fault. <laughs> that's actually what we joke about whenever we see like a throwback video of the malice of the palace uh we'll we'll send each other a message uh me and nick and we'll say man if chad would have just done his job and kept ron our tests on the scores table <laughs> i mean he would he would not have stopped him anyway with his oh, that's true. not at all I mean, there's no way he would drag him drag him ron would drag him into the stands with him and punching people <laughs> So do you have any interaction with Chris Denary too? We did an interview with him. He's the the play-by-play announcer. Yeah, I know him. Uh, we we don't have the daily interaction, but yeah, I mean I do know him. Cool. So your official job title is the G League manager and international scout for the Indiana Pacers. Now that sounds very fancy. Can you kind of break that I down? I was about to say that too. It's very fancy, but it's not that fancy. So okay. Like, no, it's I mean. A lot of a job title is not, I mean, it sounds fancy, but it's not. <laughs> the, 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 the responsibility is not, not that fancy at all. So uh, my main job, like, like my, my main job for that, uh, like, uh, I mean, as you guys know, I was a video coordinator for a team for a long time. So I just transitioned into the front office about two years ago. So like the front office is still kind of new world to me because I've been coaching science for a long time. Uh, but my main job right now, I mean, not right now, up, up until we stop playing. Right. <laughs> um, I have, I am kind of the liaison between the coaches and our front office and also the G League because since we have the two-way players now, every team, my main job is kind of manage them on a day-to-day basis. So I have to make sure before the season starts, I would, I would do the uh, season schedule, so it's kind of map out like where they would be, how we how we're gonna get that 45 days uh, with the big team, and um, and also try to maximize the time with the G League, so they can get their playing time with the G League team, help our G League team to uh, win games, but also get their 45 days here. So I will all I'm I'm in constant communication with the the our two two-way players and their agents and the G League people, then I would also communicate with our coaches, hey, what do you think if we have Brian Bowen with us doing this time, or what do you think we think if we have National with us doing this time? So I would bring, I because I, I would map out the whole season schedule but before the season starts, so we can kind of have an idea like where those two guys would be, but usually 
we never keep our plans before the injury happens and all these different unexpected things happen. So, but we try to stick to the schedule as much as we can. Uh, so that's kind of my main job and all, uh, to make sure they are where they're supposed to be. And I am also responsible to to deal uh, to 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 manage all our assignment players. So if we, whenever we assign players, I have to get all this paperwork ready, communicate it with the agent, uh, make sure the front office know what's going to happen, make sure the coaches know, hey, this guy is in the go. So I always have to communicate with the coaching staff, say, hey, what do you think? Does it doing this time? Like really, like, uh, the pace is not playing too many games, and also. The mad end is in Fort. They are in Fort Wayne. It's like, what do you think if we assign such and such go to Fort Fort Wayne for this couple of games? So I will always make some suggestions and see what they want to do. So that's kind of like one of a big part of my job. At the same time, I do go out to scout GD games. So we, I'm a part of the pro scouting team. So we have four people. So we divided the G League, and I got I think around three to seven or nine teams. So I would go, uh, I would go to a mode like we, we like all of the pros got, we would try to get to as many GD games as possible. So we, we, we will always have a presence at the game and also to let them know that, hey, we are here to support you guys. And also what like keep, keep, keep our eyes on our own guys whenever they got assigned two way players. Then also we are scouting other teams too. So, and I would go to some, other GD cities to, 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 to watch the games. Other than that, in terms of the international side, my main job was, as I mean, as you guys may not know, the NBA has, I think, want to do like the so-called NBA academies. They're in India, China, um, Africa, South America, and there's one global academy in Australia. So this is relatively new for the NBA. So... I'm the one who's responsible to keep track of all these academies to, to to make sure I know the players to have good relationship with the NBA people that are overseas all the academies and to to have a relationship with all this uh the all the coaches for this academy. So so I would call them up and talk to them. Hey, is any is you guys got, got got any good players? Or they also have the NBA academy games every summer. The first year, the first two years was in Canberra, Australia. Then starting last year, they start having it in Atlanta at the Hawks practice facility because they want to have more uh, college coaches to, to go watch their play. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, this year, because of the pandemic, they don't have it. So things are a little, little different right now. So that's one of my jobs. And then I also cover Asia. South America, and they stole me Africa too. Basically, I mean, cover the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> when it when it comes to that job, it's not like I have to go out there to 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 scout the players. I think when it comes to international scouting, I mean, except our two European scouts that go to a lot of games in Europe, the rest of the world, like the main thing for us to do is to have a good network, to make connection with the coaches and the people who know the area. So you don't necessarily have to be there all the time because at the end, at the end of the day, most, uh, the U.S. still has the most talent. So we, this is where we, suppose we, we should focus on. 
and we do have two European scouts focus on Europe, but a, like, like the Asian country, the South, uh, 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 South American country, and Africa, I mean, that's completely different ball games. Uh, like, like I just have to keep in contact with the people I know to just to say, hey, like to check on them if there's any player that we should actually go see. Uh, so like actually I I have planned to try to go to China this summer because in China they have an all Asian camp in I think it's around April. I have planned of going there so I can meet more people. And I also have I was trying to go to one of those basketball without border camp. I think it's in Africa. I was I have planned to try to get myself go to those places. But as we I mean, as we all know, now we're sitting here just <laughs> right. staring at each other right now. So, oh, that's the, that, so that's the job that I do. So you talked about um, like you, you deal with a lot of two-way deals. What does that kind of look like? Can you kind of describe that? Because honestly, I don't know too much about two-way contracts. So two-way contract, they are – so the two-way players like can, can only spend 45 days with the NBA team, so they they are still considered part of the teams, but they are not a go. They don't they are not considered as the roster player, so it's they are kind of different, kind of separate from the roster player. So like in playoff, like you you have like 15 roster guys, those two guys are not not considered as those uh, as the roster spot. So so before the G League season starts, the two way players can spend as many days as they 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 they, they want with the big team. But once the GD training camp starts, those 45 days start counting. So during the G League season, the two-way players can spend as many as 45 days with the NBA teams. Because after the, after you spend all the 45 days, you they will either have to spend the rest of the time with the G League team, or they have to be converted into uh into an NBA contract. So that's the that's the main things. That's why. Why talking about the 45 days is that the, the 45 days actually affect how much money they can get too. So if you can spend, you can you, you can spend all the 45 days with the NBA team, then you got the most money out of that contract. If you don't, then you don't get the most money. So some team, some teams would uh, uh promise 45 days, some team wouldn't. And then you can you 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 will also see like there would be teams that would recycle the just cycle through the two-way players. Some like they look at these players, oh, they don't work out. Let's get another guy coming in. Don't work. Let's get another guy comes in. So each team has different philosophy on two-way contracts. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the overview of it. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense because yeah, we, we we hear that term thrown around so much, uh, but it's just it's a confusing term in general. Yeah, because um, two-way it's a two two two-way play is more like okay, so some team will feel like uh, this. Players might have the potential to turn out to be really to be an NBA player, so let's give them two-way contract, develop them, and see how it goes. So, so that's one way to use it. And another way is like, oh, I want to have this guy on my team, but we don't have a spot right now. Maybe we can offer him a two-way contract, and so maybe we can convert him later or see if it works out. So, like I said, every team has has different philosophy on it, so they 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 all utilize it differently. Right. That's crazy. So so tell us what it is like to, well, before COVID, 
uh, what it was like to kind of scout overseas. And are there any kind of specific traits that you look for in players uh, when you when you do have the chance to watch them? I mean, the overseas player is kind of tough. Uh, like the one that I watch is they're all young kids. Those NBA Academy players, they're all young kids. You just try to see if they can make it to Division One. Right. And so, like what I like what I have done so far for the NBA Academy players, I would there are lists of players that I like. And once I, once I see players I like, I just keep track of them throughout the time in the NBA Academy. Uh, not like I could really watch them because they, I mean it's not that easy to 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 watch their games. I would have to contact the people I know in the NBA office. Hey, how's this guy doing? How's that guy doing? Then. Uh, Every year, there's a G League showcase in Vegas, and during the showcase, they were all the NBA always bring a group of academy players there to play in front of the NBA front office people. So that's another way to keep track of how they play. Um, and I think the, the academy have a pretty good track record right now because there are some they produce quite a bit, quite 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 a few D1 players already. So I would I create a tracker so I put all their names in, like where they went for, went to uh, the academy, where the country's origin, and what college they're in right now. So I will highlight them and send it to a college scouts. Hey, maybe you guys can keep keep an eye on this list of players so to see what you think. So that's the, 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 the main job because you really don't know how they're going to turn out. You know, some play, most of them can make it to the D1, but I don't know if they can get to the NBA, but at least maybe, okay, maybe down the road, maybe this, this guy could be good for a G League. So, so like, things like things like that. But in terms of looking for a play, uh, for players, like for us, like, since I'm not really like doing the college uh, scouting, so it's a little different, I can tell you what we do in terms of pro. So the main things we... Like I think the the one common theme in terms of scouting is the intel gathering is very important. It's, it is it is relatively easy to see if a guy can play, but we also need to know if that guy's a the player is a good person, how he is as a teammate. So we do a lot of intel call. So like for all of our free agent, like for 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 the free agent players. Like we would divide them between the uh, be, between the four pros. Guy would call the team that he had played on. We try to see what kind of guy he is. If there's anything that we should be concerned about, what kind of teammate he is, uh, how is he uh, when he was interacting with the staff, how is he interacting with the guys down the totem pole? See who they hang out outside of uh, outside of practice facility. Uh, what they like to do, uh, what they don't like to do, <laughs> like do they have a girlfriend, wife, you know, what kind of guys they hang out with. So we have to do like really in-depth uh, intel gather. So we want to know exactly who we're getting. Of course, there will be time that, you know, some guys can probably mask themselves pretty good to try to present themselves as a nice guy. But but we try to do as much homework as we can before we uh, zero in in certain targets. So I think I think it's the same to 
pretty much every team is the intel is the most important thing to do is that you have to know who you like what you get like what you're getting yourself into you really don't like for us we don't want to get bad guys it it, it it doesn't matter how talented you are we want to have good guys on our team that guys want to be around with and not going to be a jerk around people not going to be a jerk in the community so this is one thing that we really emphasize on guys that won't start a fight in the middle of a at the end of a game and cause you to get uh sentenced or fined right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so you said you go to um you and some of the other scouts will go to g league games are you scouting other g league players for other teams or is it more just to watch the pacers g league so like if we go to our own games we watch both teams uh then like, we go to some other games it all depends on who like what teams are playing like so we usually try to go to a game that like both teams are our teams so so we can look at so we can scout the players too so what we usually do is uh, see if there's any assignment players or two-way players so if there's any at least any of those players we're going to focus on them first so we really try to uh, zero in on those guys and then if anyone stand out so okay maybe this guy could be good for summer league maybe this guy could be good for such and such so we will stop then we will why we put on those guys too but one thing that's very important to do is before the game start like we, like we try to talk to the people from the other teams just to get a feel for what they think because they're usually pretty good at telling you stuff especially especially in the g league like they want you to get their guys too like they want the guys to be called out so they like you can ask them like what like how such as so and so doing how so and so doing so you can get us those information before the game starts so you can have a better idea before the game starts so you know who who you should keep your eyes on That's man it cool. sounds it sounds like you're just compiling so much data about so many players how, like i understand we live in a tech like a technological age where you have access to it but how, how do you personally kind of stay on track with like okay this guy's over here this guy's over here this guy's not even in college yet so like i think nowadays every team has a, every team has their own database and we have our own so you just like for all the players that you think is worth of a report you write a report you submit it so you have it in there so so that's like so after every game, the scout come back, they all just start typing. You know, we are all creative <laughs> writers now, you know, like we just write, 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 <laughs> you know. It's like, not like, not a research paper, but like we all try to write report, like, so we, they, they, we fill in all these boxes, we submit it so we have it. So like our bosses can see how many reports we have written so far during the, uh, uh, during the season. So, I mean, because like you said, there's no way we can ch- keep track of all the players just by, I mean, just keeping in our head that's impossible so i sometimes have to go back to look at our report to see who i like who i have seen so far this year gotta otherwise i forgot you know then like we have reports we have rankings we have all sorts of different lists so if i have if we go if i go to a special event like the mp academy games i spend like four or five days there i've done done so i took a I would scan the, or took a picture of the roster. I sent it to my boss. They would import the whole roster into the system. Then I would go in there to rank each players and put notes in it. So that's one. So that's for the uh, special events. 
and then uh, this individual game it's just that you go in there you pick the player that you want to write report on and once you're done it's in there so that is make it makes things easier and a little more organized gotcha you kind of talked about this earlier with you kind of being the scout for every other country besides europe um and we've seen europe have a big pool of players that have consistently improved and everyone we talk to especially the overseas players that we've interviewed uh, a lot of them say like hey there are some incredible guys over here but they just don't even want to come to the nba because they like what they got going on so like i said you focus your scouting and basically south america asian they kind of gave you africa as well what what's the kind of like the basketball temperature in these countries right now temperature in kind of in quotations and are there any countries that you see developing players that could help the pacers in the future well, I think basketball has become a global sport. Um, I mean, I mean, still soccer is still the king, but I think right. basketball is closely second. If you look at, I think, just talent-wise, we got to spend more time in Africa because you just look at Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. uh, Siakam. Yeah. All of those guys went to the basketball without border African team. And... So, like, I think this is one thing that we definitely try to do more. Um, and it's such a, it's just such a, like, a raw, raw talent there. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get, you know, but you have to go there to actually see it. So, I'm trying to make, uh, I know the coaches at the, the Africa Academy pretty well. So, I would talk to them about different uh, different players and they sometimes they would like, send me some stuff. But still like I feel like we can like we are going to do more as a team. We are going to do more like we were going to do more like this summer too, but everything, the plan just got changed. In yeah. terms of South like uh, uh, South America and Asia, I went down to Uruguay uh, last September. Yeah, I went to Uruguay last September because the G League has a global challenge down there. They went down there, took like a select team to play uh, different teams from uh, from the South American countries. Then also uh, uh, Bayern Munich from uh, Germany was there too. So I went down there for the very first time. Like then I also went to like uh, the local the Uruguay basketball. Federation, like in the middle of nowhere. I was lucky I actually <laughs> found that place. There, like, to watch the uh, Latin America Academy play the local team there. I mean, there's some pretty good talented players. Um, so I think it's definitely growing. Uh, and you see, you have like uh, uh, Argentina had good players come come up. Uh, now that the NBA is going to put a G League team in uh, Mexico. Actually, they got to convert one of the local team into a G League team. So everything is going to, I think it's, you were going to see more players. I don't know how good they're going to be, but you'll definitely see more. And in terms of, in terms of Asia, you see the Kai Soto, the big 7-2 kid is going to play in the G League program. And of course, China in general, this Billion of people, they're like, unfortunately, after Yao Ming, there's really not that many guys they coming from there. So I think the talents are out there. You have to go find them, and hopefully, right. and I think the most important thing right now for all these other countries is in terms of player development. Do they have the resources, or do they have the people to develop their players to 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 become 
an NBA player. So I think that's the the one thing that people try to do. I think the NBA definitely try to do that in China. So in terms of like, can we find players to help the Pacers down the road? I think we definitely can. We don't know yet. You know? Right. <laughs> It's just down the road. Like so. I mean, right now, like Japan has two players. Like one is Hachimura, and the other、mm-hmm. one is Yuta Watanabe. Yep. So you never know what's gonna happen. You just have to keep. We just have to keep our eyes out and see if we can find somebody. With the NBA having so much reach outside of the U.S., do you think every team will have a G League soon? Because like right now, not every team has a has a G League team, right? Um. No.、Yeah, no. Denver and Portland they don't have it. But I would. I I think eventually every、uh, every thirty teams would have this. Their own G League team. I think this is the way that the, the league is definitely pushing towards to that, and I think it makes sense. Every team has their own minor league affiliation, so it's easier to manage. Because like currently, Portland and Portland and Denver, when they have to assign their players, they have to assign to other G League teams, so they have to、huh. like find team to take their players. They call that this flexible assignment. So last year. Denver send their team,、uh, send their players to the Windy City Bulls. Portland, I think Portland send their players to Dallas G League team. So I think eventually every team will have、uh, their own G League team. Do you think they'll keep it like the way it is now with a traditional just one minor league team, or do you see them maybe moving to something like baseball where they have different levels of minor leagues? I think one G League team is plenty. We just don't have that many players in terms of baseball. Baseball got like the like the gazillion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't even keep track of their players,、so. and we don't even have that many. I mean, if you have that many teams, I mean, more people get jobs, but I think this can get also get out of control too. So I think like the the NBA and G League, uh, we are in a good place right now. So for the Who knows what's gonna happen down the road、uh, if we want to expand the、uh, the minor league system? Gotcha. So when you were in the room, the the video room, and working and kind of like analyzing film and stuff like that, do you think that kind of helped your eye for noticing players now and and seeing who should be scouted and who maybe pass on? Absolutely, I think the video room is key for me because I didn't come up like most people like. Like Max Hooper that you guys just talked to、uh, the other episode. I mean, he played before. I never played. You know, like I cannot say I played basketball in Hong Kong. That doesn't count. It's like playing <laughs> basketball at the Y. It doesn't count. So, <laughs> so, so, so basically, the video room is like this is the place for you to learn the game. Like I basically learn everything from watching film. Like. Like just because you can dribble the ball doesn't mean you know the game. So you have to learn. You have to watch the game. So by by watching the game and breaking down the film, it forces you to learn all these different things. So like I from like not knowing anything, all I did like when I when I first started, I was going back to back, like playing playing record pause like that between two between two like VCR. You know, like back in the day when I started, <laughs> the whole video we only got like one computer. I can break down film, and now it's like every single person has it. So it's like it's like night and day.、Um, but it yet helps like just in, in in terms of learning the games. Like、uh, the more you learn, the more you understand the game, then you know 
what kind of players can play. Like, so you can kind of see, oh, if this guy know how to play, or this, or, or this guy doesn't know how to play. If, if, is this guy the right spot on defense, or he's not? So all that helps. Um, and because sometimes, like, people think, like, like people think such and such can play defense, then I watch him, but dude, this guy can't stop anybody. He just maybe he can get a couple of steals here, and that doesn't mean he can play defense, you know. Like sometimes you don't need to have, call James Harden out like that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even in my like, thinking about him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. kidding. I'm but, just kidding. Yeah, but I'm just saying that like, you like like watching film is big part of what I do. Like I've spent a lot of time watch film. I mean, not right now. I can't lie. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to just sit in front of a computer and watch, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it, like, watching film it definitely helps because, like, that's where everything happens. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but I want to go a, more, a little bit more in depth with this. How has the whole COVID-19 crisis impacted the way you do your job? And do you think there will be any lasting impact once it kind of, like, goes away? That's a very great question. Uh, I think we don't know. I think in general, like, for every for every scout, we can pretty much do our job remotely because right. we don't have to go in the office and sit there. Like most of the scouts, they don't even live in Indianapolis. You know, they they live somewhere else. You can do Zoom call and all that stuff. I think the impact would be traveling and scouting games. Uh, can we go to the games in the in in the foreseeable future? Um, for college scouts, is the college basketball season going to go? So if they don't uh, play, then like, what are we gonna do? And like, like for the NBA season, I know I just uh, heard Woj was talking about that the NBA is thinking about having multiple bubbles to start next year. So if that's a, if that's what's going gonna happen, can we go to the games or can we right. scout those games? And what are like then another question is is the G League gonna play? So there's so many questions that I was just talking to my boss about all this stuff. So like, I mean, it's a great questions, but we don't have an answer. To, uh, like we don't even know. Like I think the is it COVID definitely has a lasting impact in terms of how we do our job. Like in terms of can we go to these games, watch the game live, so all that stuff. But I think we are all just at a wait and see uh, to, uh, to, to, to try to figure out what's next. With the current position you're in now, is this something you could see yourself doing forever pretty much or, or the rest of your basketball career? Or is there something more like you could move up to, a step up from this? Well, the goal, I think the goal for all of us, we all try to move up to as hard as we can. Like, hopefully, I would love to win a team one day, but then at the same time, you hear people say that there's only 30 jobs. So right. you never know. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have a job. Like I'm fortunate enough to be with one team for 16 years. I mean, I'm enjoying doing what I'm uh, doing right now, definitely, uh, since I'm kind of still relatively new to me in the, in the, in the front office side. But like, like if the opportunity for me to do a to gain to get more responsibility and move up yeah definitely gotcha all right hansen so now we're going to enter into the segment of our uh, our podcast episode 
where we're going to ask you some hot seat questions. And these are questions that we purposely didn't give to you. We just want your your honest opinion, and we want the first thing that comes to your mind. You can obviously think about it for a little bit. It doesn't, doesn't really matter that much. But we're going to go, me and Nick are going to go back and forth, and it's going to be very simple questions. We won't get you in trouble, we promise. Okay. All right, first, first question. Who was your favorite player to watch when you were growing up? My favorite player to watch when I was growing up, Kevin Johnson. Okay, whoa. <laughs> no, he was my favorite. I loved that guy. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had his speed, but and I wish I had everything that he had, but no. Yep. Who's your favorite player now? I really don't have one. Not because I, I don't want to get in trouble. I really don't. Um, you know what? My favorite player, I mean, this is it's a known fact. Everybody knows I love him. I love Guto Wanganabi. I have I have Asian fa- uh, favoritism. If you're Asian, you can play. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> what, so he's on a G League team. He, which one is he on again? Is he on the Oklahoma a, City? He's, no, he's a two-way player for the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I thought you were going to say uh, uh, Hachimura, right? He's good too. Like I like them both, but like that Utah, like, U- Utah was my first love. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> nice. Okay, so a question that we ask a lot of our guests: Adam DeSilver decides he needs to take a break for a day, and he hands you the keys to the commissioner's office. What is one thing you're gonna do? Man, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> that is a tough one. My first thing I'm gonna do is try to figure out how to get the next season going, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, this is a, if we don't get this thing going, I mean, uh, all of our jobs will be in jeopardy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you kind of talked about earlier the transition between the the coaching side and the front office side. What was kind of your what was the biggest issue that you might have had uh, kind of transitioning from the coaching side to the front office side? Because those are very two different walks of life when it comes to basketball. I mean, the one thing, the main difference is you are not around the team as much as uh, you uh, when I was in the coaching side. When the coaching side, you were just there the whole time. You are with the coaches, you are the players every day. You travel the team and doing all that stuff. But then... But at the same time, on the coaching side, your schedule is de- is predetermined. Like you just look at it at the NBA schedule, and say, okay, this day I'm here. We're gonna practice here. We we'll do this, do this, do that. But like on the front office side, you're a little more flexible. You make you make your own you make your own schedule. Like oh, like I want to on a like this holiday, I want to stay home with the family. So I can do that. Like we can handle the schedule. Like, you got more flexible. And then you feel different kind of pressure on the coaching side. Every like you are like when doing a season like you like your mood is affected by your 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 your, your wins and losses. Like if you wins, like, so your mood is like swing up and down like that's the stock market. You know, right? <laughs> not like I'm saying like I'm not saying that in the front office side you don't feel that that up and down, but you don't get hit like the coaches do. You kind of like, you kind of okay, you know, what can we do? You know, like, like you kind of like the move on and do other things. So, so, but then the, in the front office, your pressure comes into like when you, when the GM or president asks you, what do you think about this player? You better have an answer for that. So you have to be ready at all times because you don't know when they're gonna hit you an answer uh, with, with with the questions. So you like you have to be prepared and. 
when you and also like as a scout or like anyone in the front office, when you make a recommendation, you better be right because right. <laughs> you have like those decisions. You have like your recommendation, and they take your recommendation and make a decision based on your recommendation. It's gonna have a lasting impact on whatever's gonna happen next. So, so I think like the difference is that you 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 feel different kind of pressures. I mean, but like the、uh, the coaching side, you feel the immediate pressure, and the front office side, you kind of like you don't know when it's gonna hit you. Right. <laughs> but if you're wrong, then you're in trouble. Well, Hanson,、so, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh,、uh, thank you guys, man. I enjoyed it.